saying that God loves you. He loves you right where you're at today. He loves you. And my hope is, as we spend a little bit of time together this morning, that you encounter his love, and that we all get to know Jesus a little better. Now, for the next four weeks, we're going to take part in a series of talks called Wonder. The whole idea of this series is to look at the original Christmas story found in the Bible in order to rekindle the wonder of the season. Each week, we'll ask a question about the Christmas story. For example, why was Jesus born in a barn in Bethlehem? Um, What does it mean for us that he was born to really poor parents and that his birth announcement was first given to foreigners and outsiders? And why are there so many Scandinavians in nativity scenes? (laughs) See, there's so much wonder in this season. And our hope during this series is that you will be caught up again in the wonder of the original Christmas story. So this morning's question is, why Advent? In this talk, we'll explore the season of Advent. Uh, We'll look at the story of a man named Simeon to help us understand the season and to prepare our hearts for a meaningful and joyous Christmas. We'll display some of the Bible verses on the screens, and there's also a notes page in your bulletin to help you follow along. So today is the first Sunday of Advent, and it marks the beginning of the church year. Uh, It spans the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, The word Advent, it comes from Latin, and it means coming or arrival. And it defines this pre-Christmas season during which we both celebrate Jesus' first arrival as a humble servant and look forward to his second coming as the one true king. A few things change in our worship services during the season of Advent to help us engage. Uh, First, you'll notice that we light the candles of the Advent wreath. Uh, The wreath itself, it's made of evergreen to symbolize that that even in the dead of winter, life exists. Now, the candles themselves, they they also are associated with different things. Most often, the candles represent hope, faith, joy, and love. This week, we light one, and the next week, we'll light two, then three, and then four, until finally, on Christmas Eve, we'll light all of them, including the Christ candle, right there in the middle, which represents Christ being the light of the world, coming to dispel the darkness that surrounds us. It's a beautiful practice of worship that we only participate in during Advent. Uh, When we're back in the sanctuary, you'll notice that the linen on the communion table has been changed to purple, which is the traditional color of the season. In the church, whenever you see purple, it symbolizes a season of preparation. Advent is one of those seasons. You'll also notice that some of the songs that we sing during the season are different. We intentionally select songs during Advent that use language of longing, of expectation, of hope. For example, this morning we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is a song that dates back centuries. It's an incredible prayer of supplication, asking Jesus to restore that which has been stolen, innocence, hope, joy, to mend those things which have been broken, 
promises, hearts, relationships, and to redeem those things which have been wasted, words, opportunities, years. Now, above all else, Advent is a season of waiting. As if to emphasize the point, many Advent songs, they're written in a minor key because in our culture, we associate completion, fulfillment, joy with major keys. And we associate longing and, 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 and something that's not yet complete with minor keys. And I'm going to demonstrate here for just a second. You can help me with this. Okay. So it's, it's, it's one thing to sing happy birthday like this. And because we're recording this, and, and my wife Sarah's birthday was yesterday, we're going to sing to Sarah, okay? Okay, so here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. Happy birthday to you. Right, now it's quite another to sing it like this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. Happy birthday to you. It's a little creepy, right? <laughs> it doesn't sound right. It's, it's not as it should be. In the music of the church year, Advent is a melody in a minor key. It resonates within as we recognize with our own eyes that things aren't right in this world. That the kingdom of God is not advanced when another nationalist flag is unfurled. That the currency of our relationship shouldn't be money. That our sons and daughters shouldn't go to school hungry that we destroy ourselves most of all when we throw stones and tear gas over walls or celebrate when our enemy falls. I've heard people say we live in the age of the in-between and I think I see what they mean. Christ came once before, but how do we live today while we wait for what he has in store? How do we keep singing joy in a minor key, hold on to faith, hope, and love when life keeps bringing us to our knees? We carry someone from the bedside to the grave because of cancer, then turn to the heavens looking for answers. We work our fingers to the bone in order to survive so we can eat, turn up the heat, and turn on the lights. We cry out with the poets of old, how long, O oh Lord? How long must we wait? How long must we strive against vanity, greed, and hate? Yet too often, we proclaim love from the pulpit and we sing peace from the pews. Then we leave with our pride and our unyielding views. We bypass the chance to make a positive change, convincing ourselves that we're saving up for when it rains. But when the wind howls and the raindrops fall, we send along thoughts and prayers for all, but we keep our money where it's at to gain interest while we waste our fortunes and our futures keeping up appearances on Facebook and browsing lists on Pinterest. We've lost ourselves, and we've lost our souls. We've taken so many shots that we're bleeding out and we're full of holes, unable to see the light in the dark, seeking our own kingdoms and missing the mark. 
So we lift up our voices and we sing the old song. Join in with the saints who have waited so long. Oh, come. Oh, come. Emmanuel. Be the God who is with us in the midst of our hell. Come make things new. Turn our wrongs into right. Pierce through our darkness and scatter the night. We're waiting. We're praying that your will be done. Even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Jerusalem named Simeon. Who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. Listen, we're all waiting for something. Every one of us. Right? Some of us are waiting for Christmas morning. Some of us are waiting for Christmas to be over. Some of us are waiting for our year-end bonus check. Some of us are waiting on a doctor's report, waiting to get married, waiting to get unmarried, waiting for the kids to come home, waiting for the kids finally to leave home, right? We're all waiting for something. Now, what was Simeon waiting for? In the scripture, it says this. It says, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which means he was waiting for this source of lasting peace and comfort to be made known to his people. Now, you don't wait for comfort unless you're uncomfortable, right? You don't long for consolation unless you've suffered. That's when you're looking for comfort. That's when you're looking for hope. Now, the gospel writer Luke tells us that Simeon was a righteous and devout man. So he would have studied the scriptures that said God would send a savior, a Messiah into the world. He would have known the words of the prophet Isaiah spoken so long ago. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So Simeon waited. What are you waiting for today? The story continues. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, this account about Simeon, it took place about 2,000 years ago when waiting for stuff was way easier. That's not true. 
waiting has never been easy, right? Like, as a species, we don't know how to wait well, do we? Um, How many of you have made the mistake of praying for patience? Right? Yeah, the people that didn't raise their hands is because they did it one time, and now now they're laughing at you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think think the angels kind of chuckle when we do that. Michael's like, Gabriel, Gabriel. (laughs) Gabriel, come here, come here. Look, look, Miss Debbie, she just prayed for patience. Isn't she a kid's pastor? <laughs> On Sunday morning, look, God, I, I, I love what you did. These humans are fantastic, right? Patience has always been a virtue to which we aspire because it is so unnatural for us. So how do we wait well? What do we do while we're waiting? Well, let's take a couple of lessons from Simeon. The passage we read says that Simeon was righteous and devout. That is to say that Simeon consistently did the right thing. He didn't always get it right, but his trajectory was that he most often did the right thing and that he loved God with everything he was and everything he had. Now, I can't even imagine being the kind of person that the writers of the Bible would describe as righteous and devout. I would guess I'd be described as beardy and awkward at parties. But God, fortunately, sees our hearts. And look at how God saw Simeon as someone who did what was right and had devoted himself to following in God's ways. Because of that word choice, I really wonder if Simeon would have been surprised to be described that way by God. You know, I, I don't think that he would have responded to that description with false humility, like, God, I'm glad we're on the same page because I'm pretty awesome, right? But I don't think he would have been self-deprecating either. You know, man, I'm the slug of slugs, and I'm a Patriots fan, but I guess God loves me anyway. You know, I honestly think that it would have surprised... Austin, I'm praying for you, man. I'm praying for you. Yeah. He's waving rings at me. I know. I I really think with Simeon, it would have surprised and probably humbled him to hear what God thought about him. For God to say, do you know what I see in you? Righteousness and devotion. And I wonder today, I wonder what God sees in each one of us. Beyond what we would see in ourselves, I wonder what it is that God sees in each one of us. So there are two ways in which Simeon waited for Israel's consolation. The first was through reflection. As a righteous and devout man, he surely spent time reading the scriptures. And I'm sure he spent time in prayer and worship at the temple. Like what we're doing today, in Simeon's day, it's part of what he would have done. Those practices helped him reflect on the story of God and how he and his people fit into that story. So what's cool is we see that not only did God have Simeon in mind, but as he waited, Simeon had God in mind. Like Simeon, we wait well when we reflect on the story. As we walk through the next four weeks, what will will help you? reflect on the Christmas story? Would decorating for Christmas help? 
or would the tangled Christmas lights and pile of junk cause you to completely lose your salvation? Would it help to take a walk or a hike in the snow? Would 15 minutes each day just to be still and silent help you reflect? What about playing Christmas music? What about reading the original Christmas story with family or with friends? Or kick them all out and just grab a blanket and some hot chocolate. It can be different for each of us, but, but, but think about it. What would help you to reflect on the story this season? Now, for many, for many, I suspect it will not be by adding one more item to the to-do list, but likely by removing things from that list. See, one of the greatest freedoms that we receive from the Christmas story is a reminder that the world already has a Savior, so we don't need to be. Amen? Man, that is good news. And I'll tell you what, if you are a parent of young children in the room this morning, you might want to create space to reflect, but you need a nap before you can consider anything else. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So let me tell you this. I think too often we try and divide our lives between what's sacred and holy and all the rest of the week. But the Bible never describes life that way. It sees the entire scope of life through the lens of getting to know God better and recognizing that he's with us wherever we go. So if you're, if you're a parent of a young child today, let part of your worship this week be a nap. Because seriously, while you rest, the Lord will restore you. So don't feel like you got to do something in addition to what you already have going on. Just allow the Lord to speak to you right where you are at. And if you need a nap, take one. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Listen, at the end of this talk, I've built in a few minutes for reflection. Allow that to be the starting point for your own Advent reflection, okay? Now, the second thing we see in Simeon's story is that he was prepared for Jesus' arrival. He wasn't quite sure when it would happen or exactly who the Messiah would be, but he was prepared. He was attentive to the presence of God in his life. In fact, the scripture says the Holy Spirit was on him, meaning both that the Spirit was with him like a close friend but also that he'd practiced recognizing and responding to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Did you see in the passage when it said, when it said, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went to the temple, right? That's because he, he had gotten used to recognizing and responding to God. My guess is that he didn't always get that right. But most often he did because he practiced it. He was prepared, so when the Spirit moved, he was ready to respond. Now, let's have a show of hands. How many of you will be hosting a Christmas meal or holiday party at some time this month? How many of you are already preparing for said party? Uh Yeah, right? It takes a ton of prep. There's an invitation, there's a guest list, there's a menu. In our family, there's a creepy Santa ornament to hide somewhere for an unsuspecting victim. I mean, there's all that stuff that has to do with the party itself, right? The uniqueness of the holiday party. But there are also the basics, like vacuuming, sweeping, 
you know, cleaning the toilet, taking out the trash, right? And if you're anything like my family, there's also this practice called, we're going to look around and see what treasures we have accumulated since the last party and figure out how to declutter, right? That's, that, that's, that's part of the preparation as well. Simply put, when you know guests are coming over, you prepare for the party, right? Now, I'm sure that you can, you can see the parallels between preparing your home to receive guests for a Christmas party and preparing your heart during Advent to receive again the good news that out of love, Jesus left his place of glory to be born here on earth to save us from sin and to walk us back home to God. But because we live in the age between Advents, this long season of waiting, we have the chance to prepare our own lives for Jesus' return. The same way that we clean up the house for a holiday party, during Advent, we purposefully turn our attention to addressing the things in our lives that keep us from being ready to welcome him back. So why Advent? Advent's a season of waiting. And it allows us space to admit that not everything is as it should be. It allows us to give voice to our longing. For those of you who sometimes get tired of going to church and putting on the happy face because that's what you do at church, there's the season of Advent. When you walk into Advent, you don't have to pretend. You can out loud say, not everything's the way it should be in my own heart, but also in this world. That's what Advent is for. And because so much of our lives are spent waiting, Advent helps us learn how to wait well as we reflect on the original Christmas story and prepare for Jesus' return. I'm going to ask the, uh, the bands to come back up to the platform. Um, as they're on the way up, listen, in a few minutes, we're going to respond through song and through prayer and through communion. Before we do that, I want to give you some time to reflect. Um, at the top of your notes page, you'll see Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It's the first scripture that we read today that says, Now there was a man named Simeon in Jerusalem who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. At the bottom of the page is that same scripture, but it's a fill-in-the-blanks version. The fill-in-the-blanks are for you to reflect on your current circumstance and to recognize again that the Spirit of God is with you even now. Listen, there, there aren't any right or wrong answers, just the opportunity to reflect. As an example, this, this, here, here's my fill-in-the-blank for today. Now, there was a man in Denver called Drew who was good-hearted and faithful. I hope that's how God sees me. It's not how I often see myself, but I really hope that maybe that's part of how he sees me. Um, there was a man in Denver called Drew who was good-hearted and faithful. He was waiting for healing from his anxiety, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Think about how God would describe you. How would he describe you? And consider, 
What is it that you are waiting for today? What is it that you're waiting for today? I'm going to ask Angela just to play a little bit of music for a few moments so that we have time to reflect and to maybe fill in some of those blanks, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, as we enter into this season of Advent, we recognize that so much of our lives uh, we spend waiting for things to take place, waiting for things to come to pass. But we're grateful today that we can look back on your first advent, on your first arrival, and that we can have salvation in your name because you showed up. Lord, as we prepare for you to come again, we ask that during this four weeks of Advent, help us to reflect well. Help us to consider what it is that you're up to. Help us to be attentive to your Holy Spirit so that even as we wait, we know that you are with us as our Emmanuel. And Lord, for the parents of young kids, would you bless them? Would you just place your hand on them and let them know that you are there? And God, give them some really good naps (laughs) because, Lord, they need it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.